Good morning. My name is Abby Turner, and today's gathering scriptures come from Genesis 11, verses 1 through 9, and Acts 17, verse 26. Hear the word of the Lord. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. They began saying to each other, Let's make bricks and harden them with fire. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. But the Lord came down to look at the city and the tower the people were building. Look, he said, the people are united and they all speak the same language. After this, nothing they set out to do will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages then they won't be able to understand each other. In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world and they stopped building the city. That is why it is called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, he scattered them all over the world. From one man, he created all nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall and he determined their boundaries. Hey Grace242, Pastor Bill here. Last month, the National Museum of African American History and Culture published an infographic on white culture. The graphic, entitled Aspects and Assumptions of Whiteness and White Culture in the United States, pejoratively lists supposed elements associated with white culture or whiteness. Here are a few items on the list. The nuclear family is supposedly equivalent to whiteness. The scientific method and rational thinking is supposedly whiteness. Respecting authority is whiteness. Working hard and having a good work ethic are supposedly a white thing. Religion and Christianity is whiteness. What an offense to all of the black Christians out there. Even time and time schedules are whiteness according to this graphic. Lastly, justice itself is supposedly whiteness. This list is bonkers. These are not aspects of white culture. These are God-ordained things that lead to a flourishing human society. The nuclear family isn't a white idea. It was God's idea. And studies show that people are better off when the home includes a biological dad and a biological mom. That includes black people. That was God's design. The scientific method and rational thinking was given to us by God when he created us. That we have the capacity to think in this way is a gift from God. Respecting authority as whiteness, this is something that God instills in us. Not white people. Work ethic isn't a white idea. It was God's idea when he told Adam and Eve to tend the garden and to work it. Even time. God is the author of time. Not white people. This infographic certainly makes a lot of judgments based on something as arbitrary as a skin shade. The graphic is not only ridiculous, it's disgusting, it's divisive, and it's prejudicial. Christian writer Rod Dreher nailed it when he said of the graphic, Aside from the anti-white stereotypes here, notice the inadvertently anti-black insanity. Things like hard work, being on time, 
cause and effect, rational thinking, respect for authority, politeness, all of these things, according to the museum, are manifestations of whiteness. It's crazy! If a white man said that black people are lazy, can't keep a schedule, have no respect for authority, can't think straight, are rude, etc., he would rightly be criticized as a racist. Thomas Chatterton Williams is an author who touches on subjects of race and identity. Thomas is black, and his comments on this infographic are extremely poignant. He says, The awful irony is that saying that black people somehow lack these qualities is the worst kind of racism a real white racist would spew. But this disrespect is recycled into anti-racism and sold to corporations and cultural institutions, and it's being put in schools too. I show you this infographic to highlight how our culture is driving these ethnic divisions. This infographic, in essence, is racism guised as anti-racism. The article takes something as arbitrary as skin shade and makes accusatorial and bigoted assumptions, all based on skin pigment. Unfortunately, skin shade as the most important thing has been the order of the day lately. Shortly after George Floyd died, one of my former students had posted on their social media this meme. See my color? See the color? Wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought MLK's dream was to have a society that judged people not on the color of their skin, but on the content of their character. I thought the literal definition of racism was treating someone discriminately because of their differing skin color. This supposedly anti-racist meme is actually racism itself, and that's what the culture is trying to sell us these days. Last week, we begun walking through the biblical narrative as we seek God's heart on this issue, and we saw how every human life has infinite worth and value because everyone has been created in the image of God. We've been created to be reflections of His glory, and we might sum up last week by saying, all lives matter. This week, the Bible shows us that there is one race, the human race. We already know that all lives matter from Genesis 1, and now we're going to build upon that by seeing that there is one race, the human race, from Genesis 10 and 11. Let's pick up the narrative in Genesis 10. God has just cleansed the world through the flood, and He's preserved humanity through Noah and his family in the ark. And Genesis 10 is going to record the growth of Noah's family as they fill the globe. Look at Genesis 10, verses 4 to 5. The descendants of Javan were Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Rodanim. Their descendants became the seafaring peoples that spread out to various lands and each identified by its own language, clan, and national identity. Now look at verses 8 and then 10 and 12. Cush was also the ancestor of Nimrod, who was the first heroic warrior on the earth. He built his kingdom in the land of Babylonia with the cities of Babylon, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna. From there, he expanded his territory to Assyria, building the cities of Nineveh, Rehoboth-Ir, Kala, and Rezin, the great city located between Nineveh and Kala. Now 18b and 19. The Canaanite clans eventually spread out and the territory of Canaan extended from Sidon in the north to Gerar and Gaza in the south, and east as far as Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim near Lasha. Then look at 29b and 30. All these were descendants of Joktan. The territory they occupied extended from Mesha all the way to Safar in the eastern mountains. 
And chapter 10 closes out with this summary verse in verse 32. It says, These are the clans that descended from Noah's sons, arranged by nation according to their lines of descent. All the nations of the earth descended from these clans after the great flood. Now the word descendant comes from the Hebrew word meaning to spread out, to diverge, or to separate. Chapter 10 is showing us that the descendants of Noah are spreading out over the globe. They are filling the earth and multiplying as God commanded. Many of you have kids who, when they left your house or went off to college or became adults, they moved to some other place in the country or some other place in the world, maybe some other place in the state. Many of them maybe went off to college and maybe they even stayed in the city of their college to make their living and make their home and start their livelihood. Many of you have children who live somewhere else than here. And that's what's happening with Noah's descendants. They're filling the globe. They're moving to all different parts of the earth. So you have Noah, who is a descendant of Adam and Eve, and now Noah's descendants are scattering all over the globe. Let's jump ahead to the New Testament and look at Acts 17, verse 26, which is going to underscore our thesis statement this week that there is one race, the human race. Look at 17:26. From one man... God created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and He determined their boundaries. There is one race, the human race. But if there's only one race, the human race, then why do we have these differing skin shades? Why are our complexions so different? Frederick Douglass escaped slavery in 1838. In his pamphlet, The Claims of the Negro, ethnologically considered, Douglass said this, Outward circumstances may have something to do with modifying the various phases of humanity, and that color itself is at the control of the world's climate and its various concomitants. Leading up to this line, Douglas discusses how the people's complexion varies throughout the world. Douglas says this, On the mountains of north of Africa, where water freezes in winter at times, branches of the same people who are black in the valley are white on the mountains. The Nubian, with his beautifully curly hair, finds it becoming frizzled, crisped, and even woolly as he approaches the Great Sahara. The Portuguese, white in Europe, is brown in Asia. The Jews, who are to be found in all countries, never intermarrying, are white in Europe, brown in Asia, and black in Africa. And Douglas comes to this conclusion. Here's what he says. It is the sun that paints the peach, and may it not be that the sun paints the man as well? Back to the Bible. In Genesis 10, humanity is moving into all these different regions of the globe, and chapter 11 is going to show God stepping in to ensure that that migration and that filling of the earth continues. Look at chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. At one time, all the people of the world spoke the same language and used the same words. As the people migrated to the east, they found a plain in the land of Babylonia and settled there. So the people move to this plain of Babylonia and they begin building this city and it's going to have this tower as part of the city that's going to be a testament to all of their achievements. Look at verse 4. Then they said, Come, let's build a great city for ourselves with a tower that reaches into the sky. This will make us famous and keep us from being scattered all over the world. Now, there's two problems with this endeavor and they're right here in verse 4. Remember, that humans were created in God's image to be His reflections, to show the world who He is. As images of God, we are to make God famous. But yet, look at their language in verse 4. 
Come, let's build a great city to ourselves. This will make us famous. And then secondly, if we go back to Genesis 1, God says, fill the earth and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. But yet here, what's happening in verse 4? People say, let's build this city so that it can keep us from being scattered all over the world. So God intervenes by making the builders of this tower and city speak different languages. Verse 7 says this. Here's what God says. Come, let's go down and confuse the people with different languages. Then they won't be able to understand each other. And because the workers begin speaking different languages, the project stalls, and then the people regroup themselves according to language and continue to migrate and settle all the parts of the globe. Verses 8 and 9 say this, In that way, the Lord scattered them all over the world, and they stopped building the city. That is why the city was called Babel, because that is where the Lord confused the people with different languages. In this way, He scattered them all over the world. It is this scattering in Genesis 10 and 11 that accounts for the differences in physical complexion that we observe today. By migrating to different climates in different regions of the globe, people developed different physical characteristics. Just two years ago, National Geographic published an article entitled, There's No Scientific Basis for Race, It's a Made-Up Label. The article says this, Across the world today, skin color is highly variable. Much of the difference correlates with latitude. Near the equator, lots of sunlight makes dark skin a useful shield against ultraviolet radiation. Toward the poles, where the problem is too little sun, paler skin promotes the production of vitamin D. Now here's a secular source corroborating what Frederick Douglass said so many years ago when he says, if the sun paints the peach, then perhaps the sun paints the man as well. Geneticist Dr. Georgia Purdom writes this, as people migrated from Babel, different groups became isolated from others and likely married only within their language group. Each group carried a set of physical characteristics as determined by their genes. As they intermarried, certain characteristics would begin to dominate due to the group's small pool of genes. Over time, different people groups displayed distinct physical characteristics. So there's a geographic aspect to skin shades, which is what we see in Genesis 10 and 11. But even that, over the course of time, has been mixed up and reshuffled so often. Back to the National Geographic article. David Reich, a Harvard University paleogeneticist, says this, What the genetics show is that mixture and displacement have happened again and again, because as often as isolation has created differences among populations, migration and mixing have blurred or erased them. William Leonard speaks also to the genetics in his article, Check Your Race in the box below. Leonard says this, here is the biological problem with race. The genetic variation within each of the various ethnic groups of Homo sapiens is greater than that between the various ethnic groups. We are one race. I don't know much about the science or the genetics of this. My wife, Morgan, loves the genetics and I just, it doesn't make any sense to me, so I, I never could get into it. But that's why I'm quoting People who do know what they're talking about. I, I, I'm out of my lane here, so I'm going to quote people who know what they're talking about. I'm going to stay in my lane with the Bible, <laughs> right? But this finding by Dr. Leonard is incredible. 
that people of similar skin shade have greater differences in their genetics than people of different skin shades? Back to David Reich and the Nat Geo article. Reich says, our pictures of past racial structures are almost always wrong. The article continues in another paragraph. When people speak about race, usually they seem to be referring to skin color and at the same time to something more than skin color. This is the legacy of people such as Samuel Morton, who developed the science of race to suit his own prejudices and got the actual science totally wrong. Science today tells us that the visible differences between peoples are accidents of history. They reflect how our ancestors dealt with sun exposure and not much else. When scientists first sequenced the human genome, and when they finished that up in the early 2000s, Natalie Angier published an article in the New York Times entitled, Do Races Differ? Not Really, DNA Shows. Quoting from the article, scientists at the National Institutes of Health recently announced that they had put together a draft of the entire sequence of the human genome, and the researchers had unanimously declared there is only one race, the human race, end quote. One of the workers on the Genome Project, Dr. J. Craig Vetner, concluded, race is a social concept, not a scientific one. There is one race, the human race. This idea of race is a social construct. One of the huge helps I've had on preparing for this message came from a podcast called Just Thinking. And I love it because it's hosted by these two guys. They're a riot. I love them. They're smart. They're witty. They're hilarious. They pull in all sorts of data. That's where I found the Nat Geo article was through them. And those two hosts are these Christian guys. The first one is Daryl B. Harrison, who is the Dean of Social Media at Grace to You Ministry. And then Virgil L. Walker, who is the discipleship pastor at Westside Church in Omaha, Nebraska. And I love these guys. I mean, they can talk for two hours and it's just riveting because of all the information they pull in, all the Bible that they pull in, reinforcing a Christian worldview, helping someone with a Christian worldview wade through these deep issues. And so what I want to do is I want to take a few seconds and I want to play for you. They're talking about this race issue from one of their episodes. I think it's episode number 100. It's like a biblical exposition of whiteness, I think the title is. But we're going to pick it up right after they got done discussing the Nat Geo article that we referenced. So let's listen. Now here you have National Geographic, the science of National Geographic, supporting what Frederick Douglass argued in 1854. Mm-hmm. That, that your melanin, the melanin that you possess, is not race. It's not this. It's, it does not point to your race. It has everything to do with where you live on the planet. Latitude, okay? This is We have science backing this up. Any thoughts on this, Omaha? Let me first start with, I have so many thoughts that I have. Let me, let me first start with what you're sharing here, which is, and I think it's a great point to make, and, and that is the, the National Geographic article unpacks the reality that all of this idea behind race is is a, is a made up social con social constructs social it's cultural stupid. construct. It's, it's, it's stupid. A stupid social construct. Absolutely Ro and, rooted and, in Darwinism. I love Daryl's words. Race is a stupid social construct. I love that he even talks over his co-host and inserts the word stupid. It's not just a social construct. It's a stupid social construct. There is one race, the human race. So where does that leave us? I just want to quickly touch on two points of application for us. Number one, if race is a social construct, 
And if there's only one race, the human race, then we need to change our terms. I think we as Christians have let the world dictate how we talk about this issue. The world has already given us its terms when we need to change our terms to be more biblical. We should stop talking about races and start using terms like skin shade or ethnicities or people groups. Furthermore, the problem is not racism, it's prejudice or discrimination. The sin isn't racism. The sin is prejudice against another people group or people with a different skin shade. And number two, God sends Samuel to anoint the next king of Israel. And so Samuel goes to Jesse's family farm and Jesse trots out all of his sons. Samuel looks at all of these strong, burly, handsome young men and God says to Samuel, these are not the droids you're looking for. And so Samuel says to Jesse, you got anybody else? And Jesse calls David from the fields. And Samuel lays eyes upon this scrappy, scrawny, nondescript shepherd boy. And God says, he's the one. And Samuel thinks, really? This guy who's just a easily overlooked, this little shepherd boy? And that's when God says, the Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People are predisposed to make judgments and assumptions by outward complexion, but God looks at the heart. And so we're back to the Smithsonian article and the see my color meme. The world looks at skin shades and makes all sorts of judgments based purely off of skin shade. But believers are not to look at skin shade. Believers are not to look at appearance. Believers are not to look at the outside. Like God, believers are commanded to look at the inside and to look at people's hearts in the same way that God does. The world looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. There is one race, the human race.